Hello, everybody. This is the Value Line Observer brought to you by the Value Guys. I'm Vern Value. And I'm Val Hughes. And we're a 20-year veteran Wall Street analysts, portfolio managers that have assumed secret identities and changed our voices so that we can bring you our candid opinions about in this case, Value Line's weekly stock picks. We just need a, a you know a universe of stocks. We need to talk something about every week. You know, um, we're just sharing with you what we've liked to do over drinks for uh, many years now on Fridays. Um, How many years would that be, Vern? I don't know. Uh, a Let, lot. Okay. Yeah, a lot. Of years. Uh, but the point is, this is for entertainment purposes only, um, and we yes, may have um, all. We may have conflicts up the wazoo. We okay. have a lot, at least at We least may own eight. everything that we're talking about favorably. You should just assume the worst, whatever you think the worst yeah. is. Okay? Or we may Long, be just short, uh, whatever. We may be uninformed about um, a lot of important uh, matters. More caveats, more information about us, please go to our website, www.thevalueguys.com. Um, later on in the show, I'm going to come back and talk about a uh, – non-residential construction play that I like a lot. Um, a, uh, I've got a value-based trade idea and I'm uh, going to spend a little time talking about the big giants of consumer non-durables like Procter & Gamble. But first, I'm going to turn it over to the Duke of Demographics himself, <laughs> Val Hughes. Thank you so much. That's, um, that's humorous and uh, uh, alliterative. Thank you. Uh, this week, I have done not a lot of work and that's because it's a it's a week. You never that, do much work. Well, let's what face it. About? I've done work all week. That's the whole and point. So I come in here, you know, not this doing is, anything. I'm just drinking. I'm just trying to have a good time. Yeah. I'm just trying to have a good time. But we do we we do like to pass on some things. And I did actually look through the entire issue this week. It's an issue of building materials, a lot of buildings. It's the home issue. Furniture. <laughs> and I think there's even is Martha Stewart in this issue? She Ought probably. Yeah. Where is she here? I don't see her. So maybe she's not, but it's a lot of home building except for Martha Stewart. And so uh, it's a lot of bets on what's going to happen to home building. And if you, you know, read the paper, et cetera, uh, which, you know, many people don't, or if you just read Google News, in either case, you know, home building's under a lot of pressure. They had a false bottom about uh, eight months ago when it looked like the worst was over. Now we've had interest rate concerns. Uh, we've had year-over-year -year housing new start declines of you know, 15, 20%, quarterly, seasonally adjusted declines of higher than that. And so people get spooked. But um, what I like to come back to a lot is demographics. And demographics give you sort of an anchor on the wealth, Duke. GDP, you know, base demand, and whole hosts of goods. And we've talked about some of these home-related stocks before um, and sort of the enduring nature of some of the assets that they have, even if the market gets spooked by, you know, a one-year, year-over-year decline in housing starts. Let me start with uh, Eagle Materials, ticker EXP. It's on page 850. Uh, the stock is at 47. Its recent high last year was 75, so it's down a lot uh, since that time. A lot. <laughs> uh, although I will point out that sales per share – not a perfect metric for everything, but it's actually higher than it was at the peak uh, at $20, and at the peak it was 19 So even at the peak it was trading you know, almost four times sales, and that was because of the enormous operating margins they were earning at the peak, which was 34%. Even Value Line for next year is predicting 30%, so things aren't that terrible for these guys. Well, what do they do? They have two basic businesses. One is... Uh, Gypsum, 
wallboard, which is a commodity, certainly. There's uh, four serious competitors. They put up plants and try to outguess each other with when the next plant should go up to earn maximum ROI, et cetera. Uh, but there are, you know, 20-year histories of, uh, of demand cycles and supply cycles, and right now we're in a little cycle where, unfortunately, capacity is being added at the same time that demand's falling, and that's not good for near-term pricing. But in a big picture, the more, uh, I guess I should say, the better news for gypsum is that it's an industry that's been plagued by lawsuits. Uh, the attorneys went after, of course, tobacco people. They also went after the gypsum people who people breathe in gypsum what, dust and get sick. <laughs> smoking yeah, gypsum. Yeah, well, no, if you're a smoker and you inhale gypsum, it's bad news. Uh, for If you, if you build hammer. ships in World War II, well, that little gig lasted for 40 years with attorneys. It's all unwinding now. If you Google up uh, gypsum lawsuits, attorneys, you're going to find there's a lot of uh, accused fraud now. Uh, but in any case... Um, you know, the industry was run by the bankruptcy attorneys for, you know, a dozen years because of this. Well, recently, U.S. Gypsum, which is the largest producer in the space, uh, was bought by Warren Buffett, who, you know, is a capitalist, understands pricing, demand, supply, et cetera. So there is the view that some rationality to gypsum pricing is going to come into the marketplace after years of being run basically for the benefit of plaintiffs, attorneys, and uh, what we're seeing is a new discipline on capacity. So we should get some better pricing in gypsum uh, in the future. Right now it's down a lot because of the housing decline. That's all baked into the price, and that's about half their business is this concern about gypsum, which I guess my summary is gypsum as an industry is going to be better five years from now than it was five years ago. And underlying it all, you have population growth, wealth growth, people in the parts of their lives where they buy second homes, and that's not going to have to, you know, change. Maybe where are the homes? They might be in Colorado instead of Florida, but uh, there is going to be gypsum demand. It's the lightest weight, cheapest material for the strength in the history of building, and I've quizzed a lot of scientists about this. It's going to maintain its position as a building material. Scientists. Uh, well, gypsum scientists. You know, we've actually, uh, last fall, my team and I, I spent, you know, better part of a week talking to uh, a dozen home builders and materials guys, and uh, and we learned a lot. But uh, gypsum is still the best material for the price, and so it's going to maintain share. Uh, but the other thing these guys do in addition to gypsum is the only material that's gaining share from gypsum, and that's concrete. And in concrete, well, they make cement, and I guess somehow cement gets turned into concrete through some magic. But Cement, and I may have said this on the show <laughs> yeah, before. You mix it with water. By the way, uh, for Vern's benefit, I'm videoing the show this week. Here we are, Vern, right here. What do you think of that? My cape's longer. You know what I mean? Go anyway, on. so uh, anyway, back to the cement. Cement is the only raw material, and I, ladies and gentlemen, went e exhaustively through every building material. Okay, wood, gypsum, cement. Uh, granite, uh, tile, uh, you know, et cetera. And cement never goes down in price because there's a fair amount of monopoly pricing that goes in because of the fact that you can only put a cement quarry every so many miles and the government has to decide where it goes. And so you have some kind of monopoly pricing. And, in fact, the cement industry has organized itself around, uh, you know, 20% of demand being imported so that domestic capacity is always cheaper than 
external capacity because of transportation costs, and they do it so they're always running full out and never have to be concerned about price. It's quite a beautiful thing. Florida Rock, which we recommended on the show uh, at the end of the year, got bought out. I think Vern's going to talk about a cement maker today. Um, I like Eagle's gypsum piece because the economics of that business has changed with Warren Buffett's pricing mentality and capitalism return. Uh, and uh, the cement piece, which I know is a great, great long-term business. Returns on capital nearly 20%. The stock yeah, I price. At, I looked at CMEX, but couldn't well, get excited about it. Mexican. And the market takes a huge discount. Got to worry for that. about currency. Well, oh, currency, yeah. you know, well, and political risk. Isn't Absolutely. It? Well, this thing, just not to go on about it, but it's ten times gross cash flow. Free cash flow is just two bucks now, so it's you know twenty times that. But I think CapEx is going to roll off. They're building some plants right now, a cement plant that's very well placed because they got some approvals, but uh, also some gypsum plants. Or one, and that's going to roll off. But operating margins remain 30%. Returns high. They're very efficient. And this thing is uh, selling pretty cheap. Eagle Materials EXP. I own this one, by the way. I bought it uh, about this price, um, you know, maybe a few weeks ago, a month ago. Uh, next up, Masco, MAS, page 855. This one is uh, rated four by value line. I think most likely because of the relative performance. Uh, what do these guys do? They're also related to housing. They're the among the largest, I'm reading this, among the largest manufacturers in North America of brand name products for the home improvement and new construction markets. 26% of sales cabinets, plumbing products 26, services, installation 24, decorative finishes 14. That's nice. Yeah, well, one of the reasons you like this is because the stock's down and Value Line System doesn't like that. Well, I like it because it's down and it's trading at 10 times gross cash flow. I think that's just a magic number for looking at something. Uh, do they have anything proprietary? Saves a lot of homework. Um, you know, in this industry, I often look at margin as a, as a you know, sort of measure of how proprietary a product is. These guys are earning 13 14% margins in a business that probably gets 6 or 7 and the uh, increment there is because of the brand value, the you know, the customer they can attract to their brand. They own Delta and Peerless faucets, uh, Merillat and Craftmade cabinets. I think that's a pretty big market share. And there's some things they're not mentioning here that uh, I can't recall offhand, but I know they have some additional strong brands. They're having a rough year. That's why the stock's down. Uh, it's trading right now at levels it also traded at in 1999 and 1998, and sales per share are nearly triple the level they were then. Cash flow per share almost double, although we're on a you know cyclical decline. The company buys stock every year just about. They were at uh, a 490 million share count in 02. They're at 370 now. Uh, that's a lot of buyback. And uh, you know, you've got a few smart people in here uh, owning the stock. Directors and officers own four. And I just think you got a lot of negativity in the stock due to the current state of the housing market. The demographics of wealth say people are going to continue to remodel their homes, not because they think they can be sold at a higher price necessarily, but because they like living amongst nice things in their home they're living in. And uh, and I think that's going to, you know, buoy sort of a base demand over many, many years. Um, and uh, you got some cash flow justification here. Uh, even Value Line says the company's working hard to cut costs and get better next year. Of course they are. But they continue to have a brand that's got share. I don't 
in any sense they're losing share. The whole industry has been under pressure. And uh, I think you can pick this one up at a price. It's pretty cheap. Uh, 16 times earnings, that's a discount, and 10 times gross cash flow. CapEx here is just a buck, so it's really, you know, 16 times free cash flow, which is, a, in my book, sort of a 6 or 7% earnings yield, and then you get a little growth on top of that. So Masco, MAS. And finally, uh, last but not least, i got to turn my camera oh, back on here. Camera. No, it's entertaining. Um, then uh, Ethan Allen. ETH. Hey, Mom. How you doing? Um, I've talked about this one before. Ethan Allen, rated four. Uh, stock's done nothing for almost nine years except be, go flat, go up and down. And now it's sort of at the down part of that traditional uh, range. So, you know, just on that basis, if it just continued to bounce around between 32 and 48, it's a decent buy. Stock at 34. Uh, but again, like I mentioned before, sales per share here are up 50, 60%. The stock's really languished. You know, uh, 10 years ago, they were earning 20% returns on capital. Now they're 12. Uh, they have maintained their margin, which tells you that they really are responding to competitive pricing pressures from brands and products that emanated out of the Far East with far lower labor and wood costs. Ethan Allen, for a long time, one of the strengths here is that they're, you know, fully integrated. They own retail and they own the distribution and they own the manufacturing facilities. That allows them to promise better delivery times than other people. And that's an edge in the marketplace when you're buying furniture. Getting something in three weeks instead of eight closes the sale. And they've got a lot of design and they'll bring people into your home. So they, they have a lot of competitive advantages that I think will play out as the demographics of wealth and aging require these services to be provided to have a chance to do business. But what's hurt them recently is they have uh, sort of clung to U.S. manufacturing longer than their competitors, so they had higher-cost products, passed it on with lower margins. They're only just getting around to, you know, moving stuff internationally, and they're, they're doing that with all due speed. Um, and they've also remodeled all their stores, uh, improved their commission yeah, they structure. Were on a, they were on a run for a while uh, style-wise, fashion-wise, and I think, they kind of played that out and needed to. They had a point a of view, and uh, you know it was in vogue. They've now got a more diversified collection of stuff. I just think they've got great service. They're in 300 locations around the country. Uh, their balance sheet is terrific, and they they have low costs. They have high service, and that's going to win in the marketplace over time. It's at uh, 13 times earnings. It's 10 times gross cash flow, capex. Is a buck thirty here, so you know it's fifteen or so times free cash flow, which again seven percent uh, to me yield on that. And you, these guys are saying this one's got a two percent plus two percent dividend. dividend. You know, I think you, I, I think you're really going to get a move in the stock to the mid forties, just once people figure out that uh, you know. Home related. Only four and a half percent unemployment. How about that? Yeah, there's a lot of wealth. These guys make good product, and I think the thing they're really selling in an aging world that demands service is, hey, we can get you something good in three weeks, not, you know, in, in eight weeks. So anyway, that's all I have this week. Ethan Allen, ETH, my favorite among the three. Uh, and we'll I we'll come back. We'll come, come back, back to that, to that later. We'll come back to that. that. So yeah, let's have a uh, let's break. have a beverage with great fanfare. Let me introduce my. Colleague in uh, capitalism. Mm -hmm. How's that? Aren't we all? How's that, though? I'm the alliteration. Okay. Uh, Vern Value. Take it away, Vern. Uh, you know, my name is alliterative. 
That's all we got this week. <laughs> Go ahead. Well, There's you, people I, waiting. Oh, for me? I think so. Okay. Or they've switched off. My non-residential play is actually, like you said, I was going to talk about something similar to what you were talking about. Uh, looking at Florida Rock, looking for something as appealing. But not as taken over. as appealing, but not taken <laughs> out yet, right? Not as taken over. Um, and, and honestly, here, maybe a little more of a momentum name. Then I mean, the, what gives it, I think, you know, extra attraction from a value standpoint is the is the potential for a takeout, but um, or the discount to a different, you know, a comparable transaction. But um, you know, it's only I'd say moderately attractive on just pure valuation. But the the stock I think also has some momentum as well. Um, and this is Texas Industries, by the way. Symbol is TXI. Value Line suspended their rating in 05. I'm, I guess they have, you know, maybe they've Why had some issues that? filing with the SEC. Value Line oh. doesn't really cover it all, and they've got all the historical numbers, but hmm. there was some kind That's of an issue. suspicious. Yeah, some kind of an issue, which then I guess you go into Value Line probation or penalty box, and they don't rate you for yeah, two or three years. Kind of because you're kind of a new stock. So anyway, no rating currently on TXI stock around seventy eight dollars, around a market multiple. Uh, Florida Rock went out or is going out at about a seventy five percent premium to market, um, or around thirty three times earnings, which are down in the case of Florida Rock. They're actually uh, um, they came down from a wildly unsustainable number in 05 and 06 for uh, TXI, but are actually expected to be moving up now. So you've got uh, apparently positive fundamentals at your back. Uh, Florida Rock went out north of uh, 14 times EBITDA on these down numbers. TXI is on 12, at 12 times rising numbers. Return on capital is kind of so-so, 12%. It's about 13 times gross cash flow. So there, I think there's probably a little bit of speculation in it. Because uh, Florida Rock was higher than that. The fundamental, the terms, right? yeah, oh, yeah, it was. Uh, the fundamentals are just they are too attractive to ignore, though. Texas Industries, a leading supplier of heavy building materials in the U.S., cement aggregates and ready-mix concrete, largest producer of cement in Texas, fourth largest in Southern California, Major supplier of aggregates and ready mix in Texas and oh, guess where? Louisiana. Hmm. You know they they have that might some, be they good have right bad now. weather there sometimes, mm-hmm. uh, which can create a need for uh, enormous uh, amounts, know, enormous of, amounts of their products. Um, Fidelity owns almost fifteen percent of the company. Interestingly enough, officers and directors almost five percent. Uh, TXI, check it out. I actually, though, like better this week my more value-oriented call, and that's something called Central Garden and Pet, simple C-E-N-T. Yeah, I think I used to own this maybe. Rated value line, five by value line. They recently lowered their rating, June 15th, okay? The stock for the last, ever since uh, late 04, it's basically been bouncing between twelve and eighteen dollars. It's around twelve and a half recently. It's made bottoms here four previous times in the last two years. Okay, it's about a twenty-five percent discount to market here, less than fourteen times earnings. Cash flow per share flattish for the last couple of years and this year. Earnings per share down a little bit, ninety-four cents last year. Expected to be eighty this year, ninety-five next year. So we're in a flat spot for earnings. 
Um, the stock is this company. Well, what do they do? They they make and market branded products for the pet market and for the lawn and garden supplies market. And they were apparently in what lawn and garden, and they got into pets through an acquisition, acquisition a series of acquisitions that started in 05. And they made four of them. They're detailed here: Pets International, Sherlow. Breeders Choice Pet Foods and Farnham Companies, all between June of '05 and February of '06. So a lot of deals. They've been very, very busy integrating businesses. I wouldn't be surprised if there's been some recently disappointing quarters. Uh, you know, big uh, acquisition contribution to growth, but maybe not a lot of organic growth. Um, earnings per share. What do we had a negative comp in the. Most recent March quarter looks like it's going to be roughly flat in the June quarter and then looking for positive comparisons beginning in the September quarter, not far hmm. away. What do you have to pay for this? Um, I don't know. How about 50% of sales per share, 10 times gross cash flow, about 12 to 14 times free, about a 10% premium to book value. Hmm. Return on capital is only around 5%, but it's got has to get been better. higher. And they remember, they just made all these acquisitions. Yeah. So it's depressed. There's I, the stock's down because what rising gas prices might hurt the business. There's been some challenging weather for garden products in the very hot west. Well, I'll tell you, if you're so, a fan of uh, demographics, the number one hobby that people cite that they want to you know pursue in their retirement: gardening. C E N T, Central Garden and Pet. Check it out. Looks very cheap. Okay. And um, and then that brings me to the consumer non-durable giants, okay? And what happened here is I found myself looking at Clorox because value line rates at four. And I thought, well, gee, what what must be terrible things happening at uh, what don't they such like? a stable business that they wouldn't like it, or maybe it's been a, on a huge run. But no, the stock recently sixty-two and a half peaked earlier this year, north of sixty-nine, hit sixty-six each of the last two years, so. It's not exactly at its highs. It's close. About a market multiple. More better than 2.5% yield. So, I don't know. looks like a but reasonable Clorox. Attractive. Clorox. I mean, it's one thing. What else do they no, have? No, it's no. going to get bought. It's Clorox cleaning products, yes. Formula 409, Tilex, Pine Sol. I mean, these are... Oh, they own all These that. are like the pillars of the cleaning This industry, used to be right? called something Liquid else. Liquid Plumber. And they named it Clorox. Hey, they, even have a, they even have a water product, Brita. They just introduced Brita, these yeah. flavored okay. uh, water cartridges. Have you seen these? No. Very cool. Now you can get lemon-flavored or cranberry-flavored water out of your Reverse tap. osmosis, man. That's the way to go. Uh, they also own... Have you ever heard of these consumer brands? Glad. Nope. Can't Kings, say I have. Kingsford. No, sir. Armor All. Have not. Have not heard of that. STP. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> How about Casey Masterpiece? Now, that I've heard I of. I bet you have. I've I know you. Heard of. In any event, um, they, they, I mean, they're more than just bleach, okay? All right. Um, the thing that I think is interesting here is I looked at, uh, you know, why what what would explain why people are disenchanted with this? Why why not like it? Especially in a world where private equity is loves to throw money at stable businesses. Low growth pressure by Walmart and these people that like can that can be separately monetized, right? Pressure um, private label. I I noticed that 
apparently because of write downs, I guess, in 2005, book equity went negative. And so right now, they're, they're on a book basis, their debt to total capitalization is a, is a huge number because there's hardly any positive shareholders' equity. Mm-hmm. Well, at the rate they're going in terms of well, net share earnings, buybacks could have caused that too. They bought an enormous amount of stock. Yeah, back. they appear to have, must have done some kind of a Dutch auction or something. Maybe is what happened here, and that's why it went down so much. Whatever the cause, it's going to be screening really well for return on capital right now and change in return on capital. But a lot of people kick it out because the balance sheet looks way over leveraged. But at the rate they're going, by 2009, debt to cap will be below 50% on a book basis because overall capitalization is going to be so small for this, I mean, really pretty sizable company, $5 billion in revenue, going to have a total capital base of maybe a billion dollars or something like that. So, uh, you know, a lot of room to make big money with operating margins between 20 and 25% sustainably, and it always grows, okay? I don't know if they're making acquisitions only or it's most of the growth, whatever, but their returns are doing fine and uh, margins very stable yeah, over I, history. I mean it's all working right so what not to like so I figure well it must be cheap compared to the comps and I can use that as part of my argument well to my surprise I find out Colgate Palmolive and Procter and Gamble CL and PG are both also trading at around market multiples with two to two and a half percent yields mm-hmm. but they are both more expensive especially enterprise value to EBITDA P&G almost 12 times okay uh, and impossible to buy out. P&G's uh, market capitalization, $230 billion, That's including debt. Colgate-Palmolive is almost 40 Clorox, on the other hand, under $12 billion. This is kind of bite-sized, especially for you know big private equity money that's looking to go to work. I think this looks like a reasonable buyout candidate as well. So I've got some technical things going on with the numbers. I've got great franchises. It's hmm. a discounted valuation versus their own historical numbers in an environment where they could be vulnerable strategically. Um, ownership here, um, what do we got here? AXA owns 13%, Barclays 8 Lord Abbott 5 Officers and directors less than one percent. Well, that's why right. private equity works. You anyway, go to the owners and so directors I, and say, put "Hey, money, put some I got a into, thought for uh, you." You want to put some money into CLX? It's a good. I, I like think, that because like you're going to, you know, it's safe and uh, you might you, you might even get lucky. So that's what I've I got. I like that one. Uh, I'll do the favorite idea thing for my favorite idea is actually Central Garden and Pet C E N T because I just think I've got a I may have a thirty percent fifty percent bounce in this stock basically. Uh, Clorox, on the other hand, you know, lower risk call, uh, like them both. And then uh, what do you got? What you like best? Well, I like Eagle the best personally, and I own that, this and I've a, owned Florida Rock. coming in well Rock. under 30 minutes. We're I love it. Great job well, I got an show. appointment. Uh, but I think the one I'd really talk about right now, because I already own Eagle, and maybe I'm just trying to talk myself into this, Ethan Allen, it's really a contrarian play right now. The stock's been doing nothing relative since 2002. Sales going up, margins stable, product costs coming down, demographics of wealth. I like Ethan Allen, ETH. I I don't own Ethan Allen. I'm going to – no, you know what? I own it in one spot, but I I could own a lot more of it. I'm just kind of talking myself into it. I'm going to be doing more work on that. For the listeners, since this is just <laughs> entertainment, yeah, it's just entertainment. <laughs> so entertain yourselves right. and buy Ethan Allen, okay. ETH. That's all I got. All right. Thanks, everybody. Bye. See you next week.